Bonjour, hi, what's up everyone? Welcome to uh, episode 7, even to all the losers and haters out there that said we wouldn't make it past 6, but, you know, to quote all these Willie Nylander lease memes that have been coming out lately, we're not fucking leaving! Mitch Tierney, as always, doing the pod straight from his home in Kitchener. How you doing, bud? Not too bad. Uh, yeah, sadly, the, the mustache has uh, has left. Oh, um, yeah, true. I forgot. Yeah, it's it's end of November. I haven't shaved. I've just like no. it took me a full month to kind of like grow my beard back. And yeah. now I'm 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 not shaving it again. Like that's the end. <laughs> thing. Well, I, I did learn from this whole month that it takes me a full month to grow in a like decently full mu- mustache. So mm-hmm. maybe next year for November, I just won't shave and I'll just like, you know, cheat a little bit and not start from scratch. No, I was playing in a uh, in a soccer tournament and got got a lot of chirps uh, on Sunday. Someone said I looked like an extra on the Ozarks, which I'm not even fully sure what that means. But um, yeah, definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely been pretty funny. Yeah, no question. All right, let's uh, let's jump right into the news, man, because uh, the big story everyone was talking about this week finally the end of the Willie Nylander saga. I we both agreed off the top that we wouldn't talk about it too much. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess mostly because in our interview with uh, Jeff Viette, we kind of covered Willie Nylander ad nauseum. Uh, so stick around and listen to that interview. He's uh, got a really, really uh, sharp take on the league, uh, really good uh, Twitter account and uh, blog as well that you should be following. Um, but yeah, stick around to listen to all that Nylander talk. All I'll say is I'm happy it's done, and basically now we have to wait until next summer when the Leafs sign their 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 two even bigger superstars, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, it was pretty funny. Uh, actually, uh, Brian Hayes of TSN asked uh, asked Dubis. So now, how much uh, is Casper Kapanen signing for? And, oh, yeah. Uh, he said uh, Dubis's response was, uh, "That's that's Darren Drager's job." Um, which was the best response possible, but boy, did did the Leafs leave that late, eh? Like, I mean, they said eight minutes. They said they called with like thirty minutes left, and until they actually made the call um, to like confirm the contract, it was eight minutes before the deadline. So yeah, I don't think they could have left it much closer than they did. They were. I saw both Dubis and Nylander were joking about it uh, in their media scrums. Yeah, like that's like. I guess that really doesn't happen as much in today's day and age because there's, you know, the technology is like a lot more reliable for that sort of thing. But we've seen it. Ha- I mean, uh, even in soccer Subban, with I the pardon Subban I, re- Subban, I remember when he was negotiating in Montreal, missed uh, what the first five, ten games of the season, something like that. But never close. I, I don't think hockey's ever seen it come, you know, even remotely close to the to the deadline. I didn't even know there was a deadline until this Nylander contract. No, but I mean like I mean like coming actually close to like a deadline in terms of like if they'd accidentally filed the paperwork after the deadline. Oh, like, that he would have missed it. Can yeah, you like imagine? The, the David De Gea situation when he was uh, going to be maybe transferred to Real Madrid, or not even maybe they were they had it, but the fax machine didn't work. So what? luckily, oh, I, I, man, you know how I know that's BS? Because who the hell is using a fax machine in like whatever it was 2015 when they were trying BS. to sign you that can guy. definitely like you can definitely Google this one. This is actually like a real story. So at least they have more reliable. Uh, ways of contacting the league, but yeah, this they they sure left it late, and uh, you know it's obviously uh, such an important leaf or important person for the Leafs to have at this point is Nylander, and uh, I don't think this is the worst thing for them that he he's sat half the season, gone to the gym, done whatever, 
Uh, he's been doing to prepare. Obviously, it's going to take him. A, I think a he's been number. eating a bunch of Swedish meatballs. Yeah, like that's all he's been doing. Well, that's. But hey, if he beefed <laughs> up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's why I heard uh, people joking is that he just kind of didn't feel like you know because they've been rumored about you know meeting around the six point nine or six point eight to seven million dollar range for a few weeks now. Some people mm-hmm. were joking saying maybe he just wanted to sit out some of the season. The Leafs are good enough to be near the top of the league without him, and now he gets to stroll on in and play on a top team and play with Matthews. Like, yeah, not so bad. Well, he's gonna be like pretty darn rested going into the playoffs. Seriously. Too. Like, he, you know, he's he's obviously missed. Uh, he won't have the same wear and tear as a lot of these players. So, um, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing, but uh, good for Dubis as well. I mean, he showed himself to be a very tough negotiator. He was willing to w- let one of his best players sit out. Obviously, he he said himself that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't happy with how these negotiations went, and he's learned a lot from these negotiations. But at the same time, I mean, he easily could have caved here and uh, signed a signed Nylander to a ticket that. Uh, wouldn't have helped the the franchise at all. So, um, you know, good news all around. Uh, William Nylander looks fantastic. I mean, with with Lou out, they've been letting him grow the lettuce, and it looks ridiculous. I yeah, mean, I'm excited to see it with great. a bucket on in game. Oh, I feel so bad still for Matty Martin, who got traded right back to a Lou franchise and still can't <laughs> still yeah, can't no grow the flow. You, but uh, yeah, that's uh, you know more good news for the Leafs, which yeah. is. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the pandemonium in Toronto if Dubis had missed the deadline because of some stupid fax machine error or something like that? Like you're talking about with Dea. Like I think the city would just implode if they knew that the only thing keeping Nylander out of the roster was just like a GM fuck up. I just like I, I can't. I, w- I would love to visit the alternate reality where that happened. Like it just it'd be like something out of the purge. Where the stalkery Habs fans when you need them to like find out what Dubis's number is and just perma call him for like. <laughs> A couple hours leading Just up to the deadline. Oh yeah, like, like they definitely they never come through when we need them. Only when they're oh. like there to creep out Stamkos and all well, those different se- things like that. Quick segue into our next little topic here. They're probably too busy watching the Man Mountain back on the ice. Oh yeah, that's right. Shea Weber back in action after what? Almost, I think almost a full calendar year since he uh, played a regular season NHL game and. Uh, Man, even though he 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 clearly has some rust to shake off, I mean, he's even a, a partially healthy Weber is still, I mean, miles and miles better than than any of the other defensemen on the Canadians. And I mean, what a way to to come back into the roster, scoring two goals uh, in that uh, game on Saturday against the New York Rangers. One of them on a breakaway where he took like a. a like a snapshot that seemed to go 100 miles an hour from between the dots. It was just so absurd. Just a reminder. And that slap shot them for the point. Just a reminder of the cannon that Weber has and, you know, how physical he can be. He was. He seemed to be just a menace all over the ice. And, uh, you know, even though the Canadians have been, have been struggling recently, you have to think that, you know, with their captain back and with their, you know, minute eater on the blue line back that they'll, uh, they'll start, you know, hopefully getting back to winning ways like they were at the start of the season. The issue, of course, is that he's so much better than every other Habs defenseman that they don't know who to pair with yeah. him. You read that Basu article today? Um, I, no, I haven't read that one yet, but I mean... He, he wrote on exactly that, that like it's such a good thing to have Weber back, but the downside is that it creates an issue because they don't have anybody good enough to play 26 minutes a night with him. Yeah. So it started off with Schlemko, and I, I was surprised because Schlemko, I watched the game, and he looked solid, like very good skater, and seemed to be making good plays, but uh, the analysts and uh, the coaching staff didn't like his game, and they put Brett Kulak in, who played, what, 70-something games for Calgary last year, and... Mm-hmm. He seems to be sticking for now, but yeah, Basu really said that it's an interesting issue because it, it's basically anyone who's a left shot 
on the Montreal Canadiens is in the running for that Weber job, and it's almost like Survivor. So <laughs> Carl Lalsner and uh, Victor Mete have already been voted out, you know, off the island. You know, now uh, Schlemko has been voted off the island. He had his one-game audition. Kulak's up next, and uh, maybe uh, I'm I'm waiting to see if Mike Riley gets a chance because you know people have been talking about how he's had issues uh, in his own zone. But, you know, to start the year, he was so hot, we all thought that he'd be the guy to play with Weber when he came back. So it would be uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, you know, who who's playing to, to the left of Weber. Yeah, for sure. I I would actually still like to see them try Victor Mete in that position. I know he hasn't had a great year, but uh, I think, honestly, like going down to Laval and getting more minutes there is actually a chance for him to kind of uh, almost audition for that role beside Weber because he'll get those significant minutes. He'll learn how to play again uh, when he's playing big minutes. And when he looked, uh, I mean, last year when he was playing next to Weber, he looked fantastic. And I know Weber has that effect on players, but I just think they complement each other so well because – um, you know, like Mike Riley, I guess, but Mete is such a good skater, such a good passer, and uh, again has some issues in the defensive zone. At pretty much every issue that Mete has is is kind of balanced out by uh, Shea Weber's size and strength, and like you said, just just ridiculously dominant coming back. His first shift uh, coming back, I think it was against Carolina. He absolutely plastered someone into the boards and then took a slap shot that like just missed, and everyone was freaking out. Yeah. Um, and now you know now he's he's got he had that two goal game he now has 18 multi goal games which is tied with Mike Green among active defensemen for most multi multi goal games so um yeah it's just uh it's 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 so much more fun to watch the Habs when he's there cuz he, on his own you know everyone's just so afraid of him and they obviously he's been pretty solid since he came back too yeah for sure and i i, I know a few people who were at that uh, Rangers game Saturday night which totally awesome going to be at and they they said that the building just absolutely the roof went off the place when Weber scored that both goals but what like what a once in a lifetime thing to be able to see in person you know you saw the Shea Weber breakaway goal I mean (laughs) when is that ever going to happen again Shea Weber in on a breakaway he's he's uh an awesome player but he's not exactly the the fastest skater so I, I mean it just you know crazy play by Tatar you know from his ass on the ice to slide the puck over to Weber to create the breakaway, but I can't see it happening uh, anytime soon. So awesome experience to be there. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, some more awesome moments like that from the big gun, you know, in the immediate future. Um, so let's move along here. Uh, some other NHL news. Uh, this one, uh, or these two may not seem like uh, such significant moves, but uh, don't uh, down, downplay the goalie moves. So two goalies, uh, uh, waived by their teams. One picked up. The the first was Scott Darling by the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. He was uh, waived and not picked up, so reassigned to the AHL. And the second, uh, Calvin Pickard. He was uh, waived by the Philadelphia Flyers and picked up by the Arizona Coyotes. Um, Scott Darling, I'll, I'll start with this one, uh, goes back to what we've talked about before, which is that uh, the, the, the backup goalie gamble is... Some teams have had success with it. You know, you look at Martin Jones in in San Jose, and uh, this year Buffalo's had tremendous success uh, picking up. Uh, uh, who is it again? In that, I always forget his name from St. Louis. Uh, oh, Carter Hutton. Carter Hutton, thank you. Yeah, but um, yeah, just Scott Darling coming over from Chicago. He had he had good numbers as as the backup, but uh, it's it's just it's such a different ball game to take on a workload of a of a backup versus taking on 50, you know, 55, 65 games in a season and having the psychological 
uh, stress of being the guy and knowing that if you don't perform, your team is not going to win a game. So didn't exactly leave the uh, the, the Hurricanes with much choice. And in, uh, in Pickard's case, it was just a more of a case that uh, the, the crease is a little crowded. I mean, uh, it seems like Brian Elliott's the guy, this guy. <laughs> Elliott just seems to always find a team to stick with and get the job done. So he's played 14 games with a 9-11 save percentage. And Pickard uh, just, you know, has had, uh, I, I guess, a fair amount of, uh, of potential throughout his career. But this year, through 11 games, a 8-63 percentage, which is pretty awful. I mean, that's like, you know... 1950s goalies numbers right there 863 so uh he got picked up by uh by arizona i guess hoping that you know playing the backup job to anti ranta he might be able to you know find his game a little bit more and uh you know outside of the spotlight you know take uh you know hopefully get his save percentage uh a little higher up but you have anything uh on either of those ones maybe uh i guess surprising that no one picked up scott darling not really i mean what I look for as well, kind of when when a backup gets promoted to a first job, is a lot of the time it's age too, right? Like if you see someone like Marty Jones, Jones was younger, or Frederick Anderson, he was younger. Um, th- those younger goalies still have time to develop. They still have time to, and if they're that good at that age, I mean, if you're winning a backup job at, you know, 22 or to 25, like you're, you're a pretty good goalie at that age. You know, if you're, if you're a career backup and, and winning it at like 28, um, 29, sometimes guys like Scott Darling, like you said, they're just not fit out for, um, for being that starting goalie. So I, I, yeah, I'm not that surprised that nobody picked up Scott Darling. I think uh, he's just been so shaky on Carolina. Exactly. You could see, like I could see again, uh, teams just don't like to use the waiver wire. We'll talk about, kind of the exception a bit later but teams just generally don't really use the waiver wire because you know everyone wants to it seems like make a trade right now and maybe get some cap recapture and that kind of thing uh so we could potentially see him get get traded once he gets down to the to the ahl um but yeah I, i'm not that surprised nobody picked him up on waivers yeah fair enough and i mean to your point about the waiver wire, I mean, like it happens every now and again where a team will find a diamond in the rough off the waiver wire. I mean, Montreal did it with Paul Byron, and that guy's an assistant captain and signed for four years this summer. Uh, but, I mean, everyone knows how important it is to keep your talent, and uh, you can't afford to be giving up talent for free on the waiver wire. So I think, you know, in general, every franchise is pretty good at uh, assessing talent. You know, they, they make sure they have the best in the industry to do it. And they're not going to just give up on a player if they think there's something there. So, yeah, fair point about uh, uh, about uh, Scott Darling. And, and Pickard, again, like they did they, – I think the team just wasn't uh, left with any choice because they're, they're carrying three uh, – two goalies on, on the roster with uh, another one uh, in the minors, you know, able to be moved up. So – a uh, bit, bit of a dis- different situation with those two, but two goalies that, uh, you know, I, I always like tracking the goalies in the league, so had to give it a shout, and uh, yeah, I guess that's all about that. Uh, last last big uh, piece of news came uh, today, right? Team Canada mm-hmm. announced their opening roster, and fitting that uh, on the first Monday in December, we get the uh, preliminary roster, or the preliminary, uh, I guess, uh, camp roster, I should say. 
um, because you know every every December World Junior Mania takes over Canada, and uh, it seems like TSN's already uh, got the wheels turning. You know, they had Bob McKenzie and Craig Button on the panel talking about uh, the big names uh, to look for in camp, and looking through the raw, looking through the names they've selected, like there are some. Uh, it, it seems like another impressive group that Canada's gonna ice. Yeah, it does. I mean, you, you, there's a lot of high picks in there. Gabe Velarde, Owen Tippett, Cody Glass. Those are kind of the names that that uh, jump off the page to you. Of course, uh, we have some Habs prospects on there as well. Nick Suzuki, Josh Brooks, yes, who's sir. absolutely killing it uh, right now. Um, on pace for like 100 points as a defenseman, which is just ridiculous. But at any rate, um, yeah, There's uh, the other thing that jumped off at me right away is the fact that there's a lot of 19-year-olds. I know that's something that... Uh, traditionally has been kind of considered to be a, a, a big positive for world junior teams just because you have that extra year of experience. Um, yeah, you're a little older. 19-year-olds tend to statistically perform far better at these tournaments than than you know the their younger counterparts. It, it just makes sense. They're, they're further along in their development. So a lot of 19-year-olds for Canada. Not a lot of returning players, though. Comtois and uh, Alex Formanton are the only two returning players to the team this year. So um they'll they'll probably take a little bit to gel probably take a um some time to to figure out that way but yeah this could be a good group for sure i don't i don't pretend to know how they'll gel compared to some of the other teams in uh in this world junior tournament because my prospect knowledge is you know yeah. uh, pretty secondary well, it's, yeah but... it's, it's tough to you know find the time to really you know go in depth on the on on the prospects but yeah oh, you yeah, just rely sure. on on what the scouts are saying yeah, and uh, of course the big story is 17-year-old Alex Lafreniere, who um, looks pretty damn good, man. Yeah, same age as uh, Connor Mc, or like the first player since Connor McDavid to be a 17-year-old invited to Canada camp. Um, well, I think he's pretty much a lock. I mean, uh, I saw Button was doing his uh, preliminary, you know, ro- not roster, but you know, players that he thinks are locks, and Lafreniere was right up there with uh, with the other big names. Yeah, 46 points in, in 28 games for Ramuski this season, and he had uh, 11 more this summer at the Helenka Gretzky tournament when Canada won, and uh, they they scored that goal late, uh, where the U.S. or the they scored that goal late, like after the time was already up, but they didn't have video replay. Whoops, uh, and <laughs> that's why Canada uh, tied the states and won in overtime. But anyway. Um, yeah, just of definitely the kind of the player that most people have their eyes on at this tournament since there's no other there's no other really top prospects in the way that there's been in, in recent years on this team. He's really kind of the uh, the big one for the the 2020 draft, I believe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, the other thing that I look at on the roster um, that bodes well for Canada is the net. Um, in, in you know in previous years Canada had some trouble at this tournament and uh, some really underwhelming finishes and I think a large part was because they just didn't have the goalie and last year Carter Hart had an unbelievable tournament and he's you know expected to be the future of the uh, Flyers organization in net so it bodes well that uh, Michael DiPietro uh, people are talking very highly of him and just glancing quickly at his stats he's got a 920 save percentage through 21 games in the OHL which is pretty tough to do because the ohl and the you know all major junior leagues are real goal scorers leagues so anytime you can post a say percentage you know well over 900 i mean it, sh- it shows you're really on fire and craig button talked about dipiatro coming into this camp you know carter hot carter hart level hot mm-hmm. uh so i, I bodes very well that uh, canada will potentially have a uh 
uh, a quality goalie in net because in these short tournaments, I mean, it can make all the difference. Actually, they they, they showed a really interesting uh, clip about him. Uh, he had a reminder uh, logged on his phone. It was it was something like I caught the end of it, but it was something like he'd set a reminder from the day he'd been cut from camp last year, mm-hmm. and so he 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 set the same date. Uh, this year to kind of like remind himself about you know how disappointing he was last year and to kind of like fuel the fire to to to, to play great in in camp this year and 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 make the team and and be the starting goaltender so you know a, a goalie who's been hot during the season coming in with something to prove and a fire in his belly you know I I I think it's a it's a very good sign for 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 the Canadians uh, gold medal hubs. Yep, gotta gotta love this time of year. When else do you get to you know yell at teenagers the tv over 17 year olds five five (laughs) minutes ago yeah for sure all right well that uh, rounds up the 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 week's uh, biggest headlines we'll get to more nhl news but first let's go to our interview with jeff vayette this interview is brought to you by our puck talks and athletic toronto event on december the 22nd we are hosting a viewing party for the leafs against the rangers at the rec room come watch the game on the movie theater size big screen with full audio there will be an Athletic Toronto panel there for the pregame, so head over to our brand new website, homestandsports.com slash events to RSVP to that event for free. And now, let's have more Leafs talk with Jeff Fayette. Joining us on the show this week is the founder of the Faceoff Circle, Jeff Fayette, a man who is known in both hockey Twitter circles and ball hockey circles as well across the country. Jeff, thanks for hopping on. We'll, we'll get it out of the way for you right off the top as... Uh, we we don't want to talk about it uh, all that much, and uh, I'm sure you don't want to talk about it with as much as you probably have over the, the last little bit, but it, we definitely have to talk about the Nylander situation uh, while having you on. Uh, you you wrote a very good piece called The, the Last Train to Nylander on the faceoffcircle.ca that I think everyone should check out, uh, you know, even if he has already signed at this point. But um, looking back at kind of the situation now as a whole, um, now that he has actually put pen to paper, what are the takeaways here for you of, uh, you know, for both sides um, in, in the aftermath? I mean, it just shows the gravity of, of what was going on for both sides. Uh, and it shows uh, how important it was uh, for them for them to both kind of make their statements and solidify each other because really neither side wanted uh, away from each other and I think that's something that gets forgotten a lot in a, in a process like this that drags into the really the literal final minutes before the deadline uh, at the end of the day the Maple Leafs wanted William Nylander to be a part of their team William Nylander wants to be a Charlie Leaf for as long as possible but he he needed some sort of sure of assurance that he would be uh, a part of this process and the Leafs needed him to take a deal that would be comfortable to them. So that way they could set the tone for Marner, for Matthews, for other free agents down the line and make sure that they had the space. It's, it's tough because uh, as I described in the article, no one's really guilty. There, there is something um, there. There's a purpose for everything that they were kind of doing. And there's, but there's also still a bit of guilt in the sense where, where it took so long for this to kind of materialize. The fact that it really came down to like that last couple of days before anyone budged off of even their summer asks. The fact that the Leafs were still talking six million until about a week ago. That Nylander was still talking eight until about a week ago. Uh, I think a lot. I think a lot has been learned by both sides. I think that you won't see Nylander do something like this again, and that's something that he that he mentioned in his scrum today. And you'll you'll see that the Leafs probably approach. Uh, their further negotiations in a slightly different way as well. 
Dude, I didn't want to cut Mitch off during that intro because it was it was pretty fire. But how did he do on the last name? I like I thought he was gonna butcher it with that brutal, <laughs> you know, like French education, but he did pretty well. Oh no, he was great. It's very rare that anyone actually gets my last <laughs> name correct, which is uh, funny. The best example I ever had of that is I had my uh, my Ontario ID card. I was wearing an Italy jersey because I had just bought it. It was middle of Euro uh, 2012. And I got ID'd somewhere, and the guy looks at me, and it's just like, you're Italian, right? I'm like, oh, you noticed by the jersey. He's like, no, your last name, Valetti. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> That's great. no, not even close. He butchered it. Well, you're talking to a Montrealer, and you're talking to a French immersion scrub. So I figure between the two <laughs> of us, you know, we can pronounce your last name. Um, but yeah, Matt, well so <laughs> yeah, so with Nylander, like, uh, just one more question, and then, you know, I think we've all had enough Nylander contract talk for one lifetime, but... Um, my first reaction was they announced the term and 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 the salary and the six point nine million, which you know kind of like set Twitter afire. You know the Leafs fans were cracking up over the number, but I think it was Dreger or one of the insiders had reported that number like three four weeks ago. So like, do you have any? Uh, do you have an answer to that? Why did they have to leave it until eight minutes before the deadline to sign this deal if it was a number that they had already you know spoken about weeks in advance? Well, I don't know if it was a number that they had spoken about weeks in advance. I think it was Mark Savard who who originally said that six point yeah. nine million, which is which is a very nice round number for them to kind of go with. <laughs> exactly. Um, I w- was going to get it done, but it was it wasn't said that that's what he had asked for, and it wasn't said that that's what the lease had offered. At no point did it seem like they had actually gotten there. That was just kind of the internal number that they. Uh, that they were thinking would be, I guess, their concession point. Uh, now, of course, it required a concession. Nylander said it today that he that he told his agent Louis Gross that uh, he, that he needed to that that they needed to sit down and get this deal done in the final hour, and that's exactly what kind of happened. And, uh, at the end of the day, it was also slightly more than the than the six point nine that they ended up getting. I think it comes to like just a shade under seven million. So they got they got more than that actual. Uh, number the structure was kind of worked on a few times in that last hour those last minutes so i i think that that it had been heard somewhere that that was around where they would kind of uh concede things but that they weren't actually like at the stage where they were definitely i, I give us 6.9 now and we'll take it it was more of uh if it gets to the end that's where we'll budge and that's what happened yeah fair enough so now we don't have to talk about any more lease contract talk <laughs> until you know next summer well, yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be wacky for sure. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's not as bad. And I think folks, uh, both Marner and Matthews know that uh, they can't really do this weird like higher salary in year one and then and then lower in the later years uh, because the Leafs have that big cap crunch next season and they, it's, that's the big year for them. So they know they can't get into that mess. I have a feeling that they'll be working on this a little yeah. bit sooner than the end of the year. We don't really have Leafs contract talk now, but we have Leafs trade talk as well with a bit of a, a deal that seems like a minor deal happening today with uh, Josh Levo being traded for Michael Carcone of, of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, but Levo's a player that, you know, he, he never really got a full opportunity to prove himself in Toronto. And if, if you look at any of his numbers when he was given, you know, a bit of an opportunity, they were very good. Is this the type of player that you could see getting kind of caught in a numbers game in Toronto, but going elsewhere and and having some success? And what did you make of, of this trade for the Leafs? Kind of a trade by necessity a little bit. Yeah, I, I think 100% he's the type of player that can find success somewhere else. I thought, honestly, that there was a way 
uh, to make it work here if the coaching staff had trusted him. Like I did a I did a mock lineup after the Nylander signing, and I had had Lebo uh, on that line with Matthews and Nylander because I figured that he'd be the type of player that they would want there. I know that Babcock likes his uh, – his line's kind of made so that way there's a finisher, there's a distributor, and a displacement player is someone who wins puck battles and retrieves at the beginning of the cycle. Uh, Zach Hyman was that guy for them last year, but he's doing so well with John Severus and Mitch Marner that they're probably not taking him off. So for me, I was thinking, okay, that'd be awesome to have a guy like Lebo there who's strong on the half ball and can also finish a little bit if a rebound comes up. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that, uh, that resonated with Babcock very much. Uh, he's had Lebo for the last three and a half years, and has either not played him in the lineup or played him very sparingly when he has. Even this year, this was the first time that he was playing more or less every night, and he was only playing about 10 minutes a game, even with occasional power play time. Uh, so it, it, it was never going to happen. And I think that's a concession that uh, management had to make. You can't win every single battle uh, when you're in a war room type situation. And when this is a battle that you've been dragging on for three and a half years, you're probably not going to get the coach to eventually so, um, uh, concede on it. You're better off using that elsewhere. And given that the Leafs have really no choice but to make a move today, uh, you go through you go through who they could have moved on that on that lower end. And it's like if you send a Parlin, Tomer, Igor, Ojigan up down without waivers, that seems like the easiest route. But I don't know if those guys might have out clauses or something in their contract uh, that allows them to go back to Europe. Uh, I don't think that that. Uh, Kyle Dubas wants to take a risk of putting Justin Hall on waivers. The Marlies put so much time into making him a quality player, and I know management thinks really highly of him. Martin Marinson's another guy who's really the opinion goes all over the place depending on who you ask, but he's uh, but but he's someone that Badcock seems to like and the management seems to like. And Frederick Gauthier plays center, which is really um, going to be become useful to them at some point if anyone gets hurt. So they, it, there was there was some writing on the wall for him. I think he can be a very good player for the Canucks. And if I were them, I'd even consider putting it with Pedersen and Besser in a similar way to what, how I thought he should play with Matthews and Nylander. Uh, Carcone, I think, is a decent uh, guy to get in return. It's obviously not uh, the same degree of value. Like if we're looking at this straight, straight from a context of what uh, what the potential value is on these players, the Leafs definitely, quote-unquote, lost the trade because what you might get out of Carcone is what you're already getting out of a perhaps misused Levo. Uh, but it kind of kicks the football for, for them. He's already down in the minors. They're not, they don't have to worry about losing him. I think he's on the last year of his entry-level deal as well. So if he turns out to not work out for them, then great. You can just kind of move on from him. And he gives them early some depth where they, where they need it on the bottom six wing. So I, I think they're relatively happy with it. They, it's not a circumstance they would have liked to have had, uh, but, it, but it solved the problem that they, that they had leading into this morning. Dude, I'm loving displacement players as a term. That's the funniest thing ever. It's such a nice way to put it for like a guy with no hands. But yeah, like pretty common knowledge that Babcock loves that uh, kind of dynamic for a line. Um, so I'm curious as to what you think of Kyle Dubas so far as a GM. Like he's now, I guess, had a few moves under his belt where, you know, still early days, but you can assess him. And um, building off that, do you think that the league is going to start trending towards younger GMs and hockey execs? I mean, I would hope so. They're the ones who have been kind of working in this environment and seeing uh, how the game has kind of formed itself over the, over the past few years. Having Obviously, having experience in the hockey industry is a good thing but you can kind of get stuck in your own ways after a certain amount of time. And yeah. the sport has changed 
so, so much in the last little while. Like, even look at, like, defensemen who were being drafted with high kicks, like, 10 years ago. We were seeing guys like Zach Bogosian and Luke Shen going, going in the top five of drafts. And, like, those guys wouldn't even get a sniff yeah. uh, today. I mentioned, uh, I, I mentioned on Twitter, uh, which is, I guess, funny considering your guys' fan allegiances, there was a tweet that was something along the lines of Shea Weber is the uh, – most overrated player of my lifetime, which is not my tweet. I disagree with that. <laughs> uh, but my, um, but, but my response was that I have was that I have a friend who said something to the effect of Adam Foot is basically Brent Seabrook with less evidence of uh, of him not being that that good in the end. And it's like, yeah, like the game has changed so quickly that guys oh, we thought were awesome back in the day were fundamentally. Dude, not capable of playing Darian, today's game. It's so much. Darian Hatcher was like a top three defenseman <laughs> on the Flyers. Like the guy could not skate. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just yeah. gotten so much faster. Yeah. So, so you you need guys who are aware of that and who have worked in the environments that have uh, facilitated that. And I think that's one thing that Davis had was that he kind of helped. Uh, he kind of helped make that that shift happen in uh, in Major Junior. Uh, he made that shift kind of happen in the American League, so he's he's kind of got a comfort zone there, and I think we're going to see more and more of that over time. As far as how well he's done with the with the Leafs since taking over, it's not like there's a massive body of work there so far. Obviously, he managed to land John Tavares. I think that kind of speaks for itself. The NSDO looks like pretty good value. They didn't really uh, dive into like any of like the mid tier free agents, which is usually where you where you get burned. Uh, there hasn't really been a ton on the, as far as trades go uh, so far. I guess it would have been nice if he managed to get someone to trade for Curtis McElhaney instead of losing him for nothing, given how he's played in in uh, Carolina this yeah, year. Yeah, we saw it up close. Yeah, and, and, but you also still can't fault the decision because Garrett Sparks is playing rather well and is 10 years younger uh, and has more upside. So even that decision looks pretty good so far. The little bit trades that he's made seem good. Like the, the Louisville trade, like I said, it made the most out of a bad situation. It's not a win by any means, but it's at least something. It's better than getting a conditional seventh. Um, same kind of thing works with the carrot trade. Uh, they were kind of stuck against the wall, and they still kind of got something. I'm not as hot on that one. He seems to have done all right in Dallas. I like the trade they made last week, too, with uh, with Andrew Nielsen going to, to Calgary, getting something back for him and Morgan Quinshaw, who probably won't be in NHL, but at least it gives you – uh, someone you can play in your minor league lineup every night, learn what his weaknesses are, and see if you can develop him into something. There's a lot of that kind of work along the fringes, and with the talent that the Leafs have right now, it's going to be a matter of uh, developing those fringes and creating a pipeline of guys to support them. That's how Pittsburgh and Chicago and Los Angeles, for those years where they were dominant, that's what they did to, to sustain their cords is they kept their main group together and just kept flipping out the extra parts. So his job is to try to try to find as many extra parts and yeah and keep selling off uh the ones that he has uh in an efficient way and it, it seems like suffer that making sure that there's enough cap space for the next uh, year or so to kind of weather up the storm so i i'm okay with him so far it's there's really not a lot to work with but he's at least as advertised yeah, yeah, I think you totally hit the nail on the head. Um, but the other thing, actually, I think he's brought to the team is just the, like, I don't know, the kind of general vibe, the atmosphere in the locker room. I mean, Lamorello is, like, such a psycho. He's not even letting him grow facial hair. And now Dubis is in charge, and suddenly you've got Matthews taking, you know, like, fur coat shots on the cover of GQ. And it just seems like everyone's a little a little looser. Um, do you think it's something – do you think that Dubis is directly, you know – the cause of you know that kind of 
vibe in the locker room? And do you think that more players around the league are going to start showing a little more personality like uh, like Matthews maybe has started to? I would hope that more players do. The league needs more of it. As far as Dubis' involvement in that, I'm sure that he was uh, at least somewhat responsible, if not mostly responsible, for the easing up of those rules. Uh, to be fair, I'm not as adamantly against uh, Lou having them when he did. I think it's one of those things where it's nice to kind of instill that culture of professionalism in players, especially where they were in their rebuild. These were all guys who were either kind of in shambles, the ones who had who had been around for a while. They hadn't really uh, had a stable culture within the team for a few years and kind of needed to reinvent uh, the way that they had approached things, or they were guys who were just coming into the league. So for there to be a level of seriousness for those for those first couple of seasons, I thought that was that was fine. And I think that's Lamorello's greatest asset uh, during his time here was how he managed to reestablish a culture within the locker room, within the front office, within the coaching staff. Uh, he managed to kind of get the get everything back on a level head. Uh, Hockey-wise, I'm not so sure that he really helped much of anything uh, in those couple <laughs> years. I think a lot of it was just kind of waiting out the clock. If anything, there's probably more negatives to uh, the, the moves that he had made than positives. Not to uh, that extent, but they were they were there. But I think I think that's what they gained out of him was kind of establishing that. But that only lasts so long too. You eventually uh, these guys will get fed up with it. So I, I think Dubis was very aware of that and knows that now they know what it's like to kind of be players. But it's time to let them be themselves too. Yeah. And and you want that, especially in this in this market, you want these guys to be able to take advantage and show off um, who they are and to enjoy being here. Because otherwise, uh, what's the point of having the most the most potentially fun market uh, in the hockey world if you're not going to let them have uh, that fun? Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's it's kind of officially the the start of World Junior season now with the all the camp rosters being announced today, and two pretty big ones for the Leafs, of course. Uh, the, the announcement that they'll be loaning Rasmus Sandin and uh, Timothy Liljegren to the Swedish World Junior team. Um, what have you made of those two players' development this season? And and kind of you know they're they're pretty important prospects for the Leafs considering. Um, that back end and the, some of the issues Toronto has had there. So um, what have you kind of made of, of their steps forward, especially Sandin, who seems to be doing uh, quite well in in the professional game so far? Oh, well, I mean, they've been impressive for what they are, which is two of the seven youngest defensemen in the entire American Hockey League. Uh, that that alone is already an accomplishment because of how the, uh, the transfer agreement works with the CHL. You don't see too many under-20 players playing in the American League, and you definitely don't see too many defensemen. So for Lilligren, and, for Lilligren to be going into his second season after already winning a championship last year, and for Sanding to be going into a, to an age 18 season here is already uh, some pretty good found money. Uh, as far as how they've done, uh, it's two kind of separate worlds. With Lilligren, because he's already had his one year, they've, they've been playing him some pretty serious minutes. Uh, he's been playing first pair with Kelly Rosen, who looks – about as NHL ready as you can possibly be. Uh, he's been driving play at a pretty solid level. Level. He's. Uh, I've been tracking the Marlies like underlying numbers the entire season by hand just to kind of get a feel uh, for how all these guys are doing. And Lilligren's looking uh, quite strong in that regard, playing top pair minutes and still having a 57% Corsi, for example, is is some pretty impressive stuff. Uh, he's played on power play one. He's played on penalty kill one, though his penalty kill minutes have kind of slipped in the last few games now that they've added Frank Corrado, uh, who's it's weird to see him back in the organization in a good way. But 
different point altogether. As for as for Sandine, he's putting up points, uh, which is definitely something you like seeing. Uh, he's he's confident with the puck, and that's great too. Uh, I'm not as hyped up on his overall performance as some people are, just in the sense that he's been playing pretty sheltered minutes with Vincent Loverty. Uh, they are getting outshot a little bit. Well, not necessarily outshot, but they're not controlling games as much as the other pairs are. Uh, so he's kind of getting the easier road and still getting his kind of welcome to the league moments. He got burned uh, a couple of times over the past uh, few games. There was there was one play, I forget if it was um, in Saturday or Sunday's game, where uh, where he kind of got danced by by an attacking player and then went around and tripped and the cause a penalty shot. Uh, so, so little stuff like that happens. And I, and I mean, when you're talking about an 18-year-old, it's easy to forgive it. Uh, I think the fact that he's scoring at a half point a game plus uh, pace at 18 is already uh, pretty great. And uh, it'll be interesting seeing them at the World Juniors. It's not like the Leafs really had a, a huge choice. I think because of the way the uh, their agreement with the Swedish Hockey Federation is, any under-20 player in the uh, in the AHL has to be sent back for the World Juniors, but I don't think they would have said no anyway. It'll be fun seeing them possibly be the first pair for that team. All right, Valetto, our Italian friend. We don't just pitch underhand here on this podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw you a heater right now. You ready? So your sure. build is uh, your build is like a, a, a hockey Twitter guy. I mean, there's like a you've built yourself a pretty big following on Twitter, and now you've got uh, the face you blog on. Uh, so it's safe to say that Twitter's been a pretty good tool for you uh, in in your young career. But uh, honestly, I've got a pretty love and hate relationship with Twitter. You know, on the one hand, it's an awesome tool for you know journalists and you know comedians, people who want to you know I guess engage online. But there's a lot of like negative stuff that comes out of Twitter too. A lot of mean, ugly stuff. Uh, a lot of uh, just safe to say it's it's got as positive and negative. So I want to ask you if you could go back in time and stop twitter from ever being created you know just pull in the back of the head of the creators of, of yes. twitter but you don't but you don't get put off for murder yeah no it's it's it's, it's, it's a clean one here but it, would, would do you think that twitter is uh is is more positive or negative like do you do you think it's uh, like would you would you keep it around or would you would you ax it oh that's uh that that is tough because I, yeah. I, I do definitely have my uh pushes and pulls of Twitter. There's definitely uh, a pretty hostile crowd uh, there at times. But at the same time, it's a great way to link up with uh, with people in the community. I think it's made everything a little bit more instant access, and it's given us uh, a bit of behind the scenes on how I get, how sports and just pretty much anything in general uh, seems to go. Having that kind of real-time news resource is great. Uh, I, I think it really just comes down to like how everyone kind of personally manages things. And it's not like not having this platform would avoid uh, having bad people uh, all around the internet anyway. Like if they weren't here, they'd be somewhere else. So I'd, I'd say overall, I would take the I, I would take the real time factor and the connectivity factor over over any of the negatives. And I'd probably keep it around, but it's like a slightly begrudging keeping it around. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, but before we get you out of here, I just wanted to ask you very quickly to to kind of fill people in on what the face-off circle is because uh, we're both journalism students and uh, it's a pretty exciting project. I know you've, you've had it up for, for a few months now, I think, um, you know, just kind of developing it and uh, moving it forward. Um, so, so what's kind of the idea behind it and uh, how has it, it developed so far? Um, it, it's funny because it, it kind of changes on the fly. I mean, what, what basically kind of happened there was I had stepped down from a rollover uh, at the Nation Network, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to 
do next. Uh, so I, I ended up taking a name that I that I originally started my first hockey blog with. Uh, the Face Off Circle was my uh, my first fall on hockey blog. I set it up when I was 15 or 16 years old, uh, and it, it wasn't very good. It was definitely written by a 15, 16 year old. Uh, but kind of keeping that brand felt like something that would uh, that 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 was that was nice to have. And I think for me, it was just more. Um, having the ability to to write things that I cared about more than just kind of doing that instant quick hit reaction kind of post all the time. Uh, like that's one thing that when I was writing full-time the nation network, it was like, okay, I'm writing 70 articles a month and I forget some of them instantly because I'm just trying to get the next piece out there and get page views. Uh, so this is, this is more uh, a platform for me to just ask uh, difficult and weird questions uh, with the game or take different angles and really just kind of give myself uh, a lack of filter. Uh, I, in, in terms of like the method of delivery, that's kind of changed on the fly a few times. A lot of the stuff there is subscription based. So for example, the, uh, the underlying Marley's that I was talking about before that's under uh, a membership only portal. Uh, I've been, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing uh, this year is looking at development leagues. So another tool that's there is for uh it's worth seeing how like American league teams are, are using their under 24 players. You can kind of interact with how, with all the teams and, and how, how they're deploying their talent. And then, and then there's a whole bunch of articles that are members only. There's certain key parts of, of content that you can only get like extra charts uh, that way. So it's, it's a different format. It's, it's something I'm still kind of toying with. It kind of changes every day and there's, ways I kind of want to grow it in the future, but uh, it's just nice to kind of have control of, uh, of my own destiny and, and control of my content and, and be able to, to do things in slightly different ways. All right, I got one more question. I got one more question <laughs> for you. I, I read your Twitter bio. It says you're a diehard Thrashers fan. Does that mean you're a Jets fan now, or are you, like, desperately waiting for the return of hockey <laughs> to Atlanta? No, uh, I, I mean, like when I was a kid, there were a couple of guys on the Thrashers that I liked. But really, the reason that's there is to the point of Twitter having some uh, some hostile people. Uh, whenever I would tweet about like any uh, any NHL team that wasn't the Leafs that it came off as slightly negative, it would just be like a thousand people being like, oh, look at this Leafs fan. So, so I, I eventually started responding and being like, no, well, I don't understand what the Leafs have to do with this. This is just the opinion of me, a diehard Atlanta Thrashers fan. <laughs> and I then I kind of like bought into a little bit. I already had like a pro authentic Ilya Kovalchuk jersey from back then, so I'll, I'll rock that oh, from that's time sick. to time. I found a, I found a sweet hat on eBay. Um, a friend of mine found like this beach towel uh, at a Dollarama in Ottawa and sent it <laughs> over, which is the best two dollars yeah. anyone has ever spent. It's glorious. So I'm just kind of just leaning into it now and. It's it's fun. I mean, and we also like it's it, it's kind of fun to talk about like some of the great players that they had that we forgot uh, were so good with them. Like Marion Oso, the hundred point player yeah. there. He Mark Savard was unstoppable. That was Danny Heatley's peak was either there or like early Ottawa. I know the fifty. I know seven Nemes there, but he was great in Atlanta as well. Kobolchuk goes without saying. Uh, they they've had cool players. Like they're a cool piece of hockey history, and I think as time progresses, we're gonna uh, remember them in a in a lot more fun way than the way that it ended. So I'm not really a Thrashers fan, yeah. but uh, you're I'm starting not, a movement. I'm, I'm happy to pump their tires. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us, Jeff. Uh, listeners, you can head over to the Face Off Circle. Definitely a better 
name for your your first ever vlog than mine, which I'm pretty sure was Mitchell Got Skills with a Z. Uh, and <laughs> definitely much better content there as well than I would have provided at that age. Um, yeah, like you said, a, a pretty unique perspective on hockey. Um, so thanks uh, very much for joining us, Jeff. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a ton. It was uh, it was a good it was a good chat. All right, thanks again to Jeff Vayette for his uh, interview. I have to say we are rocking a 100% uh, track record of pronouncing his name correctly other than when I jokingly referred to him as Valletto. So thanks again to him and uh, awesome talking with him even though it was mostly Leafs. And uh, yeah, hopefully I was dead serious. We'll definitely have to talk more contract uh, when Matthews and Marner come up for uh, for contracts. And yeah, hopefully we can make it back to the pod. Yeah, definitely a, definitely a great chat. Learned a... Learned a couple things about the Leafs there, and uh, yeah, let's 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 move into some trades. I think because uh, uh, there's uh, you you want to hit him with the. So, should we go for my the... patented oh, Gary yeah. Bet yeah, you impression? Go for it. We have some minor trades to announce. I don't know if it's getting better or worse, or which which is which at this point. I think uh, here I'll I'll let you go into the trades because I know I'm gonna butcher the names. <laughs> All right, putting a lot of pressure on me to to get them right. Um, yeah, you. <laughs> um, but uh, at any rate, the the trade we obviously talked about uh, with Jeff is uh, Josh Levo um, leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, and uh, th- that's an interesting trade for me because you know, well, basically according to Bob McKenzie, he was promised that if he ever fell um, out of the, and obviously I'm stalling because Carcone's the other player. That's, that's what I was looking <laughs> for there. But, um, if he ever fell out of the, out of the roster or like out of the lineup in a way that wasn't, you know, beneficial to him, apparently Dubas had, had told him he would trade him to a better situation. So that's kind of what happened. The Leafs had, uh, too many players on the roster. They needed to move him. Uh, he's 25, so definitely not young anymore. Uh, former kitchen ranger. Got to always add that in when I can. Uh, 28 points in 84 games, but he's one of those players that hasn't really ever been given a true opportunity to shine um, with all of that talent. If if you look at his primary points per 60 uh, among players, uh, you know, who have played over 200 minutes, um, only Tavares, Marner, Matthews, JVR have better uh, have better numbers. So he's he's a player who's done well when uh, you know you know for the limited minutes he's been given. Um, at, at the same time, you're never sure, you know, you're never sure if they can replicate it at bigger minutes, but that's something he will get an opportunity to do, uh, with the Canucks and the other one's interesting as well. Uh, Daniel Sprong for, uh, Peterson, of, of the, I'm Anaheim wondering, Ducks. I'm wondering how many people freaked out when they saw Peterson, like, Oh my God, yeah. how did the Penguins get Peterson? Well, cause the Canucks made a trade like pretty, uh, pretty, uh, <laughs> close to when that yeah, was Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, very be easily confused. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, this Peterson and uh, and Sprong are are both high draft picks, both taken uh, in the early second round. Daniel Sprong's one of those players who's been kind of hyped for a while. I mean, he made the Penguins as an 18 year old, and then they just sat him on the bench in the press box for mm. months, which literally makes no sense as an 18 year old. And that's kind of been the development story for Sprong so far. So he's one of those players that I could see. Um, going to a new organization and lighting it up, but just as well, I mean, he could go to an or- a new organization and continue to to not do anything. So 
two trades kind of uh, really for me that are just kind of switching up some environments for players. And um, again, they could go either way. We could see some of these guys break out and have have great uh, kind of live up to their potential, or we could see them just you know continue to to struggle for minutes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, the the least trade you addressed, and uh, I think we talked about it. Uh, we've talked about the Leafs enough for one episode. So yeah, yeah. If, if Jeff's still listening at this point, you you've had your day now. If anyone says okay. Leafs on this podcast, it's a five dollar fine. For the rest of the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have instead of a swear jar, we have a Leafs jar. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, from what I read uh, about the 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 Penguins and Ducks trade, it's one of those that's kind of like addresses a need for for both teams. Uh, like you said, the penguins just haven't been getting enough out of sprong and uh we're willing to part with him and the ducks have a lot of young forwards that they're you know ex- i guess excited that are going to compete for uh for for top nine roles and so sprong uh joins guys like uh i had the list here terry Steele, comtois so they, they've got a nice group of youngsters with uh mm-hmm. you know a good amount of potential that you know can battle for top nine spots and the Penguins, everyone knows, are pretty weak on 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 defense. And uh, Peterson's apparently one of these, you know, smooth skating, good passing defensemen. So it fills a need for the Penguins. So uh, it could be one of those that you know works out for both teams. But you know, with young players, like you said, you're never quite sure how they'll pan out and how they'll develop. So it could end up that Sprong fulfills his potential and you know could be you know a 50 60 point guy or Pedersen ends up being a, a solid top four defenseman you know you, you just never know so one of those <laughs> assessed down the road and I say Pedersen yeah you're laughing at me I'm not that. see the funny thing is I, I've I was just wondering like which it is because I have no idea which it is and now the Elias <laughs> situation has confused me like so much that I just like I never know when I'm looking at the names anymore I think it's like, you know, uh, he's like pronunciation fluid. You know, you can say it either one. Yeah. We're in 2018 now. People can pronounce your names however they want. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, moving right and wrong before we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah. Uh, let's go to someone who did get himself in trouble. Oh, man. Oh. That was such – can we just take a minute to like – it was totally on the, off the cuff too. I didn't even plan that one, but wow. Okay, well, uh, while I'm getting uh, yeah, praise for my – Killer segue. Tyler Bertuzzi is uh, out for two games, suspended for absolute insanity. I, I, <laughs> he, it seems he's got a bit of his uncle in him. He uh, he grabbed uh, who who was it again? Who's the player? Matt Calvert. Yeah, Matt Calvert. He he grabbed him into the bench by the stick, and then when Calvert's trying to 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 get, to get in there to to yank his stick out, Bertuzzi starts suckering him onto the bench and put, oh it was so dirty so i don't think anyone's surprised that uh, bertuzzi's up for two games but uh i don't know not much else to say on that other than that that guy's a total idiot yeah I, well tyler of course famously is the quote saying he's even meaner than todd um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's out so, here ending careers so. oh yeah so he's living living up to that reputation a little bit but when i saw that like immediately i thought of like i don't know why my mind went there but like how hilarious would it be like if they just like straight up pulled Matt Calvert into the bench, like like just like completely pulled him into the bench, like and then like in like a Star Wars type movie scene, uh, like after a, like little scuffle, he just reemerges. Except it's like clearly Dylan Larkin wearing all of his Colorado Avalanche equipment. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like Dylan Larkin just gets back into the play. <laughs> wow. Well, not not a lot of good news for the for the Wings, I guess. Uh... <laughs> this this season but you know hopefully Tyler Bertuzzi stays out of the 
you know, the penalty box or the, I guess, the press box now because he's, he is a talented player, yeah, a lot yeah, like yeah. his uncle. Yeah, well, another guy who's talented and should keep his head out of his ass is Tom Wilson. Made a very questionable hit, uh, but didn't get suspended for this one. Uh, I have to say I'm a little surprised he didn't get suspended, but not because the, the play was so dirty. It was it was definitely borderline, but just based on, on his history, uh, it seemed like he, w- he would get a suspension. But I guess it's... Um, I, I didn't realize that uh, previous uh, uh, history only counts not if you're going to get suspended or not. So George Paros and the, uh, the 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 DOPS or the DOSP, whatever you know, whatever people are the the cool kids are calling it these days, uh, decided that it just wasn't a dirty enough hit to warrant a suspension or even a fine. And uh, he keeps playing, but I guess he's got to be careful going forward, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when it happened, my boss literally grabbed a piece of paper and came around the office and was asking people, "Okay, how many games? How many games is he getting suspended for?" And we yeah. had like a, we had like an office-wide pool. I think I had seven games, uh, but like you said, uh, you know, the it's 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 not the suspension. Like like it, it doesn't determine whether they get suspended or not. It's the length of suspension, and I actually think that might have factored into it. I think the the, the fact that any suspension they give to him now has to be like super long, uh, like it's, it's just that was going the to. Ha- I think get like a forty gamer, like a Rafi Torres level. So yeah, like- yeah. It's it, so I think it's gonna. I think he's actually gonna have to do something like pretty bad for them to to give him another suspension, just because like the next one's gonna be just like ridiculous. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it it also seems like he he can't help but go out and and. And, and put guys in the uh, like on the IR, so he's got to really be careful and reel that in because yeah, he's uh, he's playing a dangerous game. All right, last uh, last bit of news that uh, honestly flew under the radar for me is the the LA Kings playing the waiver game. I I, I saw that they'd picked up uh, Canadians first round pick Nikita Sherback just because it, it made news here in Montreal. But uh, what what else uh, has have the Kings been doing? Seems like getting a little crafty. Well, they also grabbed uh, Brendan Leipzig off the waivers too. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of unusual to see a team grab two players that quickly in succession off the waiver wires, especially since, you know, once you grab someone off the waivers, my understanding is you go down to like one of the lowest positions in the waivers. So other teams have an opportunity to grab those players before you do. Um, and yeah, like I just said, it's just, uh, it's, it's unusual to see a team do that. And I wonder if they're trying to get a little bit of, uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights model going where they're bringing in a couple of, of young fast players who, uh, have some talent to them who maybe haven't been given, you, you know, the best opportunity with their organizations, um, and, and kind of hoping that they can, they can turn out in, in their organization. They obviously just made a, another trade, uh, for, for Carl Hagelin to try and get a little quicker. And now they have these two forwards as well. I'm uh, just kind of adding to that mix. And, uh, you know, I wonder if we, if this works out for them, if we don't see more teams kind of go to the waiver wire, because there are players that go up and down every once in a while where you wonder, like, why doesn't someone just grab them and take a flyer on this, this kid? Because, um, you, you, like we've said earlier with the trades, you know, you never know if a player will end up in a new organization in a new situation. And players, like, there's so much talent even outside the NHL at the moment that 
someone could just get with the right player, get with the right mix, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you've got a 50-point-plus player on your hands. And, um, yeah, for for the for how cheap and, uh, you know, how cheap of an opportunity it is to pick up these players, it's it's not a bad idea. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, especially for a first-round pick, you know, the, you know that there's a, at least a baseline of talent mm-hmm. uh, with the player. Um, Montreal's given up two first-round picks through waivers this year uh, the first was jacob de la rose and uh, i don't think they're going to live to regret that one i mean he's only got three points in 15 games for detroit and just Isn't de la rose a second rounder um I will you may it. be right you may the very well be police. right yeah yeah fake news totally called <laughs> me out on that one um 34th well, so yeah, so that's, that's like well, close borderline, in, in a couple uh, in like 10 honestly, years that's going to be had, a first round if pick you when hadn't it was like, been a bastard and called me out it definitely would have flown under the radar <laughs> and was like close enough it's like oh like yeah. you know 1.5 he's a first yeah. and a half pick when but, seattle uh, kansas and quebec get their teams then and then it will be yeah, a first fair, round yeah pick. fair enough there you go well, i'm not holding my breath for that one but uh <laughs> no so well i I'll, fine I'll, I'll retract my statement the canadians have given up two high high draft picks through the waiver wire this year, and that's factual. Uh, <laughs> Sherback and De La Rose, and yeah. I, I don't think the Canadians will live to regret De La Rose. Just didn't seem like he 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 just seemed uncomfortable in his role. He just never was able to seize the the opportunity, and the Canadians gave him more than enough. And uh, 15 games, three points for De La Rose isn't exactly uh, big leaguer points, so I don't think they'll live to regret that one. And Sherback, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but Sherback, uh, we'll wait and see because, I mean, the talent was clearly there in terms of the skill and the speed and the size, but uh, just for some one of those players that was unable to put it all together, and you hate to see your first-round picks not develop and go, but God knows the Canadians fans have seen more than enough of them over the years. So hopefully this isn't another one that uh, goes elsewhere and puts up big points. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we can each name a few that that's happened to. Micro Barrel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, like you said, plenty of talent for sure. Back, I remember his first. Uh, I think it was his first NHL goal against Toronto, where he absolutely spun Frederick Anderson, just sick goal uh, against the Leafs in Toronto. And yeah, I mean, yeah. But at the same time, he never really figured out how to play in his own zone. And uh, while he can, it seems like he might be able to score at the NHL level. He doesn't provide much else, so we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see how he turns out because, yeah, he could be a great player or he could be another one that there's, you know, nobody remembers that Montreal put him on waivers. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move it along to healthy scratches. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine, mine. Uh, I don't want to start with mine because it's, okay. it's 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 a it's a real it's a real minus. So why don't you start with yours? I'm worried now. Okay, but uh, mine's a mine's a very simple one, and it's uh it's been going around the internet a lot. It's a uh, that picture that clearly shows one of the Samsung uh, phone accounts tweeting out something that underneath says via Twitter from iPhone. Oh uh, God! Just, no, why? <laughs> just a bad mistake. Uh, and the guy who noticed it, uh, he, he's been getting a lot of mileage out of these things because apparently he also noticed uh, the fact that Gal Gadot, uh, the actor or actress, I guess, um, tweeted out uh, an ad for Huawei, uh, which is another uh, another phone company, obviously, from an iPhone as well. All I so, heard was Gal Gadot, and I tuned out. Yeah, f- fair enough. Um, but yeah, a lot of people getting caught uh, advertising other phone companies from iPhones, so uh, <laughs> pretty funny and, you know, a pretty big gaffe if you're, uh, if you're Samsung, certainly. 
Yeah, I don't know. That that sounds like some dark Apple money right there. They're sitting on like a trillion dollars in cash. Like the Lord knows that they could pay Gal Gadot and some you know loser Samsung marketer to to tweet out without editing out the 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 scent, like the Apple logo in the corner. So maybe that's what the crazy Habs fans were doing instead of uh, you know pulling or wrecking Dubis's phone. They were. It's uh... what checking Gal Gadot's Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah, probably. But no, they were. Uh... They're messing around with the, the iPhone Samsung thing, but yeah, possibly, very possible. Just a, just a big marketing mistake there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I guess mine ties into marketing mistakes. Just I, I know we try and make these fun, but man, like the the NFL has just been too too bad. It's it's been absolutely <laughs> brutal, and uh, like a, a, another player ca- caught on camera, uh, whatever you want to call it, attacking assaulting uh, on camera in a hotel you know pushing and then kicking a woman in 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 the chest and it's just like there's so much wrong with 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 that and with the nfl and with football culture in general like it's just it's 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 disgusting i I, i've said it i said a few episodes ago maybe it was episode two or three one of the first episodes we did how much i'm sick of the nfl and 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 just how much it grinds my gears and this week you get just another example of, you know, what why I can't watch the NFL because on top of you know everything else, the players are also exhibiting you know disgusting displays of violence. And I mean, what do you know? These players are using their heads of battering rams to beat the crap out of each other since they were like eight years old, and then they go around in hotels beating the crap out of women. Like wow. Real shocker. And the other thing is this guy's clearly an idiot and has like eight brain cells left because of all the CTE because he's stupid enough to like do this on camera in a hotel. Like what – how yeah. stupid do you have to be? Like what a total idiot. So I, I'm I'm curious to see if all of this is going to affect their ratings because I – I really do get the sense that more and more people are just getting turned off by the NFL and not even all the gambling and fantasy football is going to be able to save them. Just from from my experience, the people I know who like NFL just seem to to to, to, to like it less and less each week. So uh, it seems like just like a like a jerk league run by a bunch of jerks who – <laughs> Again, must have mu- they? They must have known this video was out there, and we're just hoping that this wouldn't surface. And what do you know? It does, and now they're forced to, you know. I, they, I wonder if they had a deal with Kareem Hunt where they said, "Okay, you can play unless this video comes out, and then you got to go." Because yeah, I, who knows? I mean, but yeah, I, as much as I like making, uh, you know, doing something funny during these uh, healthy scratches, it, I I actually so I also hadn't watched the video until just now. I just pulled it up on my computer and watched mm-hmm. it like a, a minute or two ago, and it's uh, yeah, it's just it's it's not a bad look, or it's not it's not a good look. Yeah, for Not sure. I mean, the, the, I guess the only good thing about the camera there is now it's out there, and now, you know, he's he's gonna have yeah. to pay for this in some way because. Well, yeah. hello. What? How do you think he paid for it? Like he had a multi-million-dollar contract. He's playing NFL football, yeah. and he got it all taken away for what? Because he, he, no matter what this girl said or did, there's no excuse to 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 assault a woman. Yeah. And this guy paid the ultimate price. This guy is now uh, a. I guess not international, but nationally known as 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 a, an assaulter, and yeah. he had his contract pulled away, and he's never going to play football again. So I, I'd say that's uh, that that that's a pretty good penalty to start, and I'm I'm sure a lot of women, all the millions of li- women who are listening to our podcast right now, would just <laughs> say, no, you know, this guy should, you know, 
answer for that crime and not just have a contract pulled away and and maybe so but you know that's something that you know the NFL can't change it's something that we'd have to change you know in in our legal system but for the at the at the, the baseline should be pulling this guy's contract and at least the NFL had the had the balls to do that but yeah that's that's uh, as about as healthy scratch as a healthy scratch can get from the NFL there yep still no yeah definitely no love for the NFL on this show no definitely not definitely not no love for the nfl okay so i guess one more healthy scratch is is on me uh i was i was notified that uh i was putting out fake news i'm embarrassed we don't like uh deceiving the public on this (laughs) try and stay truthful but this makes me i'm super excited now it turns out that i was uh misleading the people when I said that one of the superstars on my beer league was putting icy hot up his balls and his ass, it turns out that, that that was not the case. So I was taken to to school on Sunday on Sunday night after our game, because yeah. uh, uh, a few of the guys on the on the team have been listening to the podcast and they're all loving hey it. Uh, yeah, what's up, uh, Westmount Sharks? <laughs> and um, uh, the superstar who's who's got the intense pregame ritual uh, mm-hmm. set the record straight. So. Uh, I'm 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 a bigger man than that. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, and in this case, you know, I was uh, I was mistaken. The icy hot's not going up 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 anywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, first first of all, he told me about the 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 baby powder. Yeah, it's uh, one for the grip, which is what I assumed, but it's also so that you don't have to so your gloves don't stink like crap after uh, after the game they don't get uh, destroyed so quickly so that one actually i understand makes total sense i go through goalie gloves like way too often they get disgusting real quick mm-hmm. and uh, he had a few other tricks that he's like putting the small amounts of clear tape on his stick so there's a lot of thought that's going into the gloves and on the stick so uh so 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 setting the record straight on that and the icy hot's actually going on 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 the on the thighs yeah wake the muscles up uh cannot confirm or deny if any icy hot's leaking into any 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 cracks or holes but uh, <laughs> that's not the point of the icy hot the point of the icy hot is to wake up the thigh muscles yeah, yeah. going to the game you know make sure you're you're you're, you're for checking hard and, and and skating back on defense so uh, i apologize to anyone i may have I may have hurt from with my uh, misleading information. It, uh, it it was wrong of me. I should have followed up my 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 leads and checked my sources. And uh, rest assured that we here on on labor leaguers take our facts our facts seriously. We don't like being accused of fa- of being fake news. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be sure to uh, to make sure we stick to to nothing but the facts going forward. You still so hit the spelling salts though, right? Um. No, I haven't seen the smelling sauce recently, but uh, oh. we'll, we'll we'll wait for playoffs, man. We haven't <laughs> well, we haven't had a ton of meaningful games lately, so it's you know we're kind of in the dog days of the season right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, playoffs come around in uh, March or April, I believe. So we'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep you updated on that, but uh, no, the uh, the Westmont Sharks are still uh, middling along. Like we've got a talented roster, but just can't seem to uh, string you know a good amount of wins together. Like maybe Sharks. maybe. Yeah, exactly, like the real sharks. But maybe if uh, we brought the smelling salts uh, back, that might uh, that might change things. <laughs> Man, I really want to get up for a game now. <laughs> These beer league stories make me like. <laughs> oh, they're, your team's they're great. Be hilarious. They're great. Oh, man, like I, I keep saying, it's a, it's an awesome locker room, and um, I've played on teams before where um, 
like the locker room pr- uh, clears pretty quickly and everyone is just you know kind of running to go home but uh mm-hmm. awesome in in that regard in that uh everyone stays around has a beer or two afterwards uh some people like their beer maybe a little too much and and you know i i, I was on beer duty and i brought um uh, what what was that? No, Moosehead. Uh, I bought some 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 cheap beer and uh, I was hearing about it before and after the game. Like I, you you'd think that uh, <laughs> that I forgot, that I forgot my goalie pads are gonna play, but no, it was just uh, like a subpar beer that people were uh, weren't impressed with. They're like, oh, it tastes like warm piss. Screw you, Cohen. Like, oh, whatever, guys. Like that's what you get for putting the goalie on beer duty, anyways. Yeah. Like if considering that if. I didn't play. You guys can't physically win the game. Like I think I should be exempt from beer duty, but whatever. Like that, I, I don't complain. I, I I buy the cheap beer. I'm I'm a struggling 24 year old Sumi. There you have it. I, I, I had to play many beer league games this year without goalies. Well, not without goalies. Goalie? We had to play one game without a goalie. Yeah. What'd you do? Go six attackers or put yeah. the plywood? Six attack. We put plywood in too, but it was just stupid. Both teams like nobody wanted to play. <laughs> No, that's terrible. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know why you'd even bother. Yeah. You, the move in that case is, you know, you have to beg the goalie who just got off the ice to play for you. I've, that's happened to me once or twice. Yeah, yeah, he was fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> even still, come on, kid, get your first yeah. take, take of the show. <laughs> Actually, that happened to me. Oh, I, what One of the low points in my life is uh, I was subbing for um, – this uh this team in like a local uh it's called the dwhl it's like the biggest beer league in montreal they've like got from uh arthur? sorry like from dw from arthur no no <laughs> yeah the dw hockey league mitch yeah that's what i'm talking about uh no i, I don't even know what it's talking uh, what it stands for but um uh it's got like eight or nine tiers like it's it's one of the biggest in in, in montreal and uh uh their goalie had uh had had gotten injured halfway through the season so um they got me for one game on this app called rent a goalie where you know i get paid cash to to, to play the game the and then yeah exactly you know to grease my pockets with a little beer money um i i, I i'm i'm a goalie hooker in that case is basically <laughs> what i um, and then and then they decided to like <laughs> kind of episode title. <laughs> yeah goalie hooker <laughs> there you go um but yeah so they they kind of like I agreed to play for them for the rest of the season, and then uh, it was playoffs, and um, um, they he had texted me a week in advance, telling me that uh, the game was yeah at such time at such arena. I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then it just totally slipped my mind. You know, I never put it in my calendar, mm-hmm. and I get a, a text like. 10 minutes before the game like oh hey jacob where are you i go oh crap no way so i texted them i was like oh my god i'm so sorry like uh i'm on my way right now so i hustle over there i get all my gear on and 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 i make it for the start of the second period but the goalie that they grabbed from the previous game was like this old duster who was really bad and he gave up uh, two goals so Mm -hmm. i i came in down two nothing and we ended up losing the game three one and then uh and, and and then and then uh that I think that knocked him out of the playoffs. So I just like I felt so terrible that like basically it was my fault that this team got knocked out of the playoffs. It's just I've ne I've never felt shittier in my whole life. It was terrible. I'm surprised they still let you play and like this hasn't gotten around Montreal beer league circles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't played a beer league ga- uh, a rental goalie game in a while, so maybe yeah, you maybe know, that's I, why. I'm pretty sure that um that 
uh, rent a goalie is like Uber, where I get stuck. <laughs> you got a one star. So I got a one star. I'll <laughs> actually no, it's, uh, I, I, I was actually I, I was going around my pimp there. So normally, uh, my when I go rent a goalie, my pimp gets a finder fee of like fifteen bucks, and then I get twenty five bucks at the game. But once I I signed the full season contract with them, I was going outside the law of my pimp. So he technically doesn't know, and I hope that the rent a goalie boss isn't listening to this because he's going to come to my apartment and rough me up for you know <laughs> skipping his finder's fee Yikes. <laughs> back i'm incri- incriminating myself on the podcast geez yeah this is, it's like the third straight episode <laughs> yeah i should really stop doing these <laughs> just kidding we're loving bringing them to you and uh, i think th- i think that about sums it up i i don't think goalie hooker i don't think it gets any better than that or any worse, depending or again any- upon your <laughs> Yeah, agreed. All right. Well thanks for listening everyone and uh we'll we'll speak to you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>